Hi, everybody. This is Sean and Toria here, and we That's are Toria. T- <laughs> this is Toria. That was Sean. We have a very, very special episode coming up next week. We don't want to spoil the surprise, but we just want to let you guys know that you should not miss it. Um, and we're so excited. Very excited. Okay, we've got to go. Enjoy the episode. Bye. The flashy girl from Flushing. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Miss uh, uh, Fine. Oh, my goodness. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, the podcast about the nanny, a TV show from the 90s starring Fran Drescher. I am Sean Pasquale, your co-host here with my co-host. Toria Sheffield. I want to say welcome back, everybody, but to them, no time has passed. No it's- time has passed to you, but to us, it's been quite a while since we've recorded. So it does feel like a welcome back. I almost opened the show with welcome back. And I was like, oh no, it's seamless for the people listening. (laughs) So so this week we are on season two, episode nine of The Nanny. Uh, This episode is called Stock Tip. Mm -hmm. And it is the episode where Fran meets a man who tells her he works on Wall Street. And so she ends up uh, introducing him to Mr. Sheffield And then the guy gives Mr. Sheffield like this huge stock tip only for Fran to discover that he is not actually a stockbroker, at which point she uh, panics and has to figure out how to save Mr. Sheffield's money, leading to a hilarious sequence where she dresses up like a man. I mean, it's a lot. We got to get to it. We got to earn getting there because I also have a lot of questions in the moments where she between hatching this plan and executing this plan, but we'll get there. I mean, I can answer the question. She saw I Love Lucy on TV for two seconds and decided to dress up like a No, no, no. Uh, my question is how did, how did she possibly get in that disguise in a matter of moments? But whatever. Okay, so this episode, this episode starts with Cece telling – you see, it's interesting. You, you summarize the episode with much more detail than I normally do. So now I'm like – now I'm like, where do I even start? But it's okay. Um, it's okay. Start at the beginning. So we'll start at the very beginning. So the episode <laughs> starts with Cece telling Mr. Sheffield that they should use some of their company's profits to invest in a place on Martha's Vineyard. Um, and while so it's like we we established that I, you know the company is profitable and there's discussions about what to do with their earnings. Um, and then meanwhile, Fran is taking. Gracie to a grocery store. Um, It's a fancy Park Avenue grocery store specifically to pick up men. Like that is her strategy, which actually I think is something that people do. Like I I think I've heard of people like going to like Air One or whatever to meet people, which is a very, very fancy um, LA grocery store. I mean, I have also heard that. I don't know if people do it in real life, but it's definitely a trope of like, you know, oh, go to the fancy part of town to meet a fancy rich man. And there's this really funny scene with Gracie where she's sort of like explaining to Gracie how to gauge if you want to date someone based on what's in their shopping cart. Yes. Um, and at one point she's like, and if you see two well-dressed men buying pesto together, save yourself the heartbreak. Wearing matching sweaters. Oh, yeah. He said, if you see two well-dressed men wearing matching sweaters buying pesto together, avoid yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but one, but so she ends up actually starting up a conversation with a guy who is actor Corbin Burnson. And they, they like 
the audience applauded as if he was someone we should he's know. Huge. Yeah, he's huge. He's, oh, I didn't know that. Corbin Burson's okay. huge. So let me let me let's let's pause right here. I, I do want to quickly. So this episode was directed by our old pal Lee, uh, but more importantly, uh, it was written by David M. Matthews based on a story by Rob Schwartz and Bill Lawrence. Bill Lawrence created Ted Lasso and Scrubs. And I just watched an interview with Bill Lawrence recently where someone asked him about his like early career. And he basically said he was not fired from the nanny, but just like his time there was very short. He never actually wrote, or maybe he only wrote one full episode and that like, it was pretty clear to him and them that he was just not the right fit. And after seeing this episode, I kind of get it now because this is by far the wackiest episode we've seen of this show. And so it's really interesting to me that like he gets story by credit, but they didn't let him write the script for this episode. Mm -hmm. Like they pitched it in the room and everyone was like, that could be fun. And then they handed the script off to someone else to make it a little less irreverent and weird. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like, a young Bill Lawrence was probably pitching that kind of stuff on any show he got hired on. And this is what he was working on at the time. And I can see it not being the bad. I feel like now he could probably write a show like this. It's much more grounded. I mean, Ted Lasso is much more grounded than Scrubs is. Um, But yeah, I think like the premise of this episode just screams, just screams like, wow, who who came up with this? And then the other note is Corbin Burnson. So Corbin Burnson is a huge deal circa 1994 when the show came out. He was on The Young and the Restless, which was a huge soap opera at the time. But more importantly, he was like the main on LA Law, the original LA Law, like the big one that started like a hundred spinoffs since. And he was on it for all eight seasons. So like he was like a big deal. And then also at this time, he had starred in Major League, with Charlie Sheen, which was a huge baseball mm. movie at the time. They ended up, it was Charlie Sheen, Corbin Burnson, and Wesley Snipes were like the three top build people in that movie. And I mean, that movie spawned three sequels. So like, you know, circa November 7th, 1994, when this episode came out, like cor- getting Corbin Burnson on your show was like a huge deal. I also think that's why, I mean, I know that's why there's a joke when she first meets him um, and he's like, what, you don't think I could be a lawyer? And she goes, not a New York lawyer. Maybe you could pass as a lawyer in LA. And there's like mm. a big laugh from the audience. That's literally just a reference to like, he's the LA law guy. So yeah, it was a huge show and people were like, ha ha ha. You could be a lawyer in LA. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Usually I feel like our, um, pop culture awareness overlaps even for older things that predate both of us. But this is a huge blind spot for me. I did not recognize him. I went to his IMBD and was like, I really haven't seen or I don't even know much about a lot of this. Yeah. Interesting. I think maybe it's because my parents must not have watched LA Law. And I was, I mean, because to be fair, they were watching like Briscoe County Jr. Which brings us back to, she's in the, the, the grocery store with Maggie um, she gets distracted by meeting Glenn, who is Corbin Burnson's character, who says he works on Wall Street. He's very specific about, I work on Wall Street, not I work as a stockbroker. 
we're also establishing that while Fran is super distracted flirting with Glenn, um, she's paying no attention to what Mag uh, Gracie is putting in the cart. So great, she's basically like, yeah, yeah, Gracie, yeah, hon, get put in whatever you want. So the cart keeps getting piled higher and higher with very sugary cereals, uh, which is just a little will be a gag that that. Uh, is, goes throughout the episode yeah it's a recurring it's a recurring gag that they get i feel like a lot of they get a lot of real estate out of it although to me the funniest payoff to this gag is i think it's like the next scene they're all having breakfast and um (laughs) niles serves them pop tarts on like a very fancy (laughs) like a very fancy i'm not sure what it would be used for because i don't live that fancy life but it's like this open sort of like rack with it clearly isn't meant to hold pop tarts but it just has like six different types of pop tarts yes. laid out on it yes 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 he's like another pop tart sir yeah um, and also this episode weirdly establishes that mr sheffield has never had and doesn't know what lucky charms are because he says i could go for more of these leprechaun things which it's very strange to me that he's never tasted or even heard of Lucky Charms. But, but if he moved to the States with a, with a staff who cooks for him, why would yeah. he? You know, the staff wouldn't supply him with that. He doesn't go grocery shopping do, himself. Do they not have Lucky Charms in the UK? I mean, they didn't back then. One of the mm-hmm. first things I remember, because the first trip that I was cognizant of to like remember things when I went back to England to visit family, I think I was in first grade. And this was this was before just like, everything in the U.S. ended up getting exported to other countries. Um, And the first thing you notice as a kid is, oh, my God, all of the candy is different. All of the cereals are different. Mm. Like, um, you know, really nothing else registered. (laughs) Um, But I also made the note that, um, you know, they're making such a big deal about these sugary treats and how they never have them. And my note was, um, they keep making jokes about this breakfast, but that's legit what I ate for breakfast for real as a kid. <laughs> like th- my family was not in the know of, you know, sugar is, I mean, and granted uh, people knew that you got sugar rushes from sugar back then, but most people didn't think like, oh, that is like the thing to be avoided above all else for like everybody. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, we were eating. That's funny. We, I had the opposite upbringing. We were never, I, I shouldn't say we. I was never allowed to have sugar cereal growing up. And then, you know, I was first child and then Mm -hmm. my sister was born. We're about eight years apart. And I, I like, I vividly remember opening the cabinet one day and there's like lucky charms and all these cereals. <laughs> and I was like, what is all of this? And my mom was like, I don't know. Shane wanted to try it. And I remember having this real angry, like burning feeling of like, well, what? Like I was told that this stuff was like, Poison. gonna kill you like now we could just eat lucky charms whenever we want like what's that bullshit <laughs> um but i'll also say so i made that note and the other one thing i wanted to say in terms of notes um when when fran is in the grocery store and she starts up this flirty conversation with corbin Burnson, um i i wrote um I was like, have you, uh, this is my note to you, Sean. I'm like, have you actually ever met someone when you were out and about like this, um, like grocery shopping or whatever? I was like, I I don't no. know if this is something that just doesn't really happen or if it's generational because our generation just doesn't do this. And then I, my further note was, or does it just not happen to people like us? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say the latter. I've never met anyone in a grocery store or like, like, or just out and about, but I also never 
successfully picked up anyone in like a bar scenario either. So like, and I, and I have friends that definitely like, we would all go out and then by the end of the night, I would have guy friends that had been like, oh, I met this girl. We're going to go hang out now. And I'd be like, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, like, I just don't have that. I, I need to play the long game and really ease you into my personality, I guess, before you want to spend yeah. any extended amount of time with me. <laughs> you need to unveil the uh, the lunatic within. Like, you have slowly. to. You have to unravel me like an onion. I'm like well, various layers. But okay, so they're they're at breakfast. Niles is serving them pop tarts, and Fran announces that you know, even though everyone had actually kind of teased her before going to the grocery store, she actually met someone, and he's taking her to the Hamptons that day for a lobster lunch. Um, at which point, Glenn arrives, and well, this wait, is where we oh. have to set up <clears throat> that there's also there's this because this kind of links the two scenes. Brighton is looking at a box of rice krispies and decides that he looks like one of the elves <laughs> he looks like snap or crackle uh-huh. and he gets like beside himself about this and like wants to go shopping and that that is what leads to them being on the street later so like just remember that that like brighton asks fran to take him shopping later mm-hmm. so that he can get better clothing cooler clothes yes And so then Glenn arrives and um, this is where I wasn't really sure like what, where they were going with this at first, because so um, he comes in and Fran's like, oh, this is my boss, Mr. Sheffield. Um, And Glenn's like, wait, Maxwell Sheffield, the the Broadway producer. Like I saw your last show six times. I thought it was brilliant. And Mr. Sheffield's like, obviously like very flattered. And then Glenn like looks around and he's like, oh my God, I I forget which artist it was, but he sees a sculpture and he's like, is that an original? And Mr. Sheffield's like, yes, it is. I I actually have its like sister piece upstairs. Would you like to see it? And and Glenn's like, "Oh, oh my gosh, yes, of course. And they like excitedly like jaunt up the stairs, like almost arm in arm. And I was like, is this guy maybe he's gay? Like what, what's that? Like, I, I didn't know where they were going to take this yet. Um, and, uh, Fran is sort of like, she's, she's happy that they're getting along, but she's also like, definitely feeling like, wait, they're, they're clicking better than I'm clicking with Glenn. Like not loving it. Um, but so they go, they go off and have their day. We don't actually see this date. Um, but we then, do cut to the next day or several days later, Mr. Sheffield's in his office with Cece. She's still kind of bemoaning that like, I, you know, I I just think we should, I really wish we could get this house on Martha's Vineyard. And he's like, no, 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 Cece. Like I actually was talking to Glenn the other day who, and you know, he gave me some very interesting stock tips. I I really think we should be investing our money. Um, And Fran walks in and is like, oh, Mr. Sheffield, I'm going to take Brighton shopping. He's really, he's really a mess about looking like, crackle or like whatever yeah. <laughs> whatever the and um so fran is now also in the office at which point mr sheffield's business line rings and it's glenn and fran's you know first response is oh like huh, he can't get enough of me but then it becomes clear that actually glenn is just returning a call from mr sheffield who's and mr sheffield's like oh glenn i just wanted to say how much fun i had playing squash with you the other day and you know i, I actually really want to take you up on that investment tip like maybe we can meet at the club later yeah um and then uh he literally goes, oh, yes, Fran is here. Okay. And then he hangs up. <laughs> um, so we set that up. We then cut to... Fran takes, Fran takes Brighton shopping. 
And we get this funny reveal of, and this is a very 90s reveal of like Brighton's glow up, which is from <laughs> like preppy, like little, like stuffy dressed white boy. And he is now wearing like baggy pants that like sag down around his waist and like an oversized shirt and a backwards cap. And he's like very clearly, I mean, if you know Holding- anything about- Holding a boombox boom over box. one one shoulder. <laughs> if you know anything about '90s fashion, it's that like white people hard leaned into culturally appropri- culturally appropriating anything that black people were doing at the time. And in this case, it was like every cool '90s white kid that was like portrayed as like the cool kid just looked like what you know dr dre was wearing at the time which was like baggy pants baggy shirt backwards cap and a boom box <laughs> but they're walking down the street and france like oh like i'm hungry what do you think hot dogs and so they go to this hot dog vendor who has their back to them and the guy turns around and he's like what can i get you and, and it's, it it's glenn yeah, it's glenn it's glenn, it's glenn and uh, so he does indeed work on Wall Street, yeah, but she, not. He even says like, "What are you doing? I thought I thought you were a stockbroker." And he's like, "I never said I was a stockbroker. I said I work on Wall Street, and I do." Um, <laughs> and and uh, we do get clarity later. It's not that he has always been a hot dog vendor. Because my first question was like, "Well, how does he afford like all this stuff? And how does he know like have this refined taste in art?" But we do sort of get clarity on that, which is just that like he. He, used he to be. was really well off and he was a stockbroker. And then he was part of the 80s crash, the Black Monday crash, and like lost everything and now has to like work this job at a hot dog cart. Um, so it, it, it tracks sort yeah. of. <laughs> Frian is now forced to run over to the Manhattan's men's, Manhattan, ugh, Manhattan's men's club and uh, tell Mr. Sheffield, like, don't, don't hand over that check. Which leads us to um, Fran walking into the lobby and instantly being told by the concierge guy that like, oh, no women allowed. You know, it's a men's club. And she's like, it's very, very important. I'm Maxwell Sheffield's nanny. I need to talk to him. And the guy was like, sorry. Like he literally says, no woman has ever figured out a way to get inside here and no woman ever will. Yeah. And then right as he says that, He's watching, he's got like a little TV next to his desk and you hear the end credits to I Love Lucy. Uh-huh. And the camera like pushes in on Fran as she gets like, uh, you know, a My million ball. dollar idea. And then there's like a quick t- time cut. And so the, so we cut, It's and it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a very unbelievable cut. Although, uh, I mean, who are we to say how much time oh has God. actually passed? But the way that the episode is edited does make it seem like a very short amount of time has passed. And Fran shows back up (laughs) fully dressed as a man, but not just like dressed as a man. She has a perfectly fitted hairpiece and beard added to her face. She's got a full tailored (laughs) suit that she's wearing, complete with suspenders and tie and matching jacket and pants and a pair of glasses. It is a Mrs. Doubtfire level transformation. Yes. And like presumably this meeting is only going to last a couple hours at this men's club um, and has already been going on for some time. So I just – or I have this note where I just – 
I just, I, I, I went, how, how did she pull this disguise together so fast? What? (laughs) In all caps. Um, But as completely unrealistic as this is, it is the setup for not only absolute hilarious performance from Fran Drescher where she gets to, you know, act like a man and, and, you know, really transform her physicality because she's, you know, in drag. And also this very interesting dynamic where Fran kind of gets to see how Mr. Sheffield talks about her when she's not around, um, which could, which I was like, wow, that could have gone way worse than it did. It had Um, a very, it had a very, um, What's that movie where the girl dresses up as the boy in high school? It was like an 80s movie. She's the the man. Was that it? Boys Don't Cry. (laughs) It's one of those movies. It had a very like 80s, like, oh, we get to see what the boys. No, no, no. I know exactly what you're talking about. One one of of the guys. guys. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of the guys. It had a very one of the guys feel this whole scene where she's like, there's, I think there's literally the same scene in that movie where she's like dressed as a man hanging out with a boy that she's into hearing boys talk about girls behind closed doors and like slowly getting angrier at the way that they're talking about the women. Um, yeah. And this is like the same bit, basically Fran is in there and she's like very much trying to hear, you know, what, Mr. Sheffield thinks of her when she's well, not around and he's just well, with a guy. The funny thing is though, so first she goes in and her main goal is, you know, get Mr. Sheffield to not give that check to Glenn, the hot dog vendor. So she goes in and she kind of, she like awkwardly kind of like moves around and tries to act really manly. And at one point she even, um, what does she do? She's on the phone and she's like, yeah, Mariana, I'm at the club. So cancel my appointment with uh, the professor <laughs> and hangs up the phone. <laughs> then she sort of, she spots Mr. Sheffield and Glenn and she saunters up over to them and kind of tries to like get into their little conversation circle. And she's like, uh, you know, Mr. Sheffield, uh, can I talk to you for a minute? Uh, presumably to like lead him away and then say like, it's me, Fran, you can't go through with this. But just as she's about to do that, um, Glenn says something like, huh, Maxwell, what's the deal with you and and that Fran? Like, you have one hot nanny. (laughs) And Fran instantly is like, oh, it can wait. (laughs) This, like, huge, huge important thing she went there to do. She's like, well, what is the deal with you and Fran? Um, And that's when Mr. Sheffield, he's about to say something when Fran gets interrupted by a cocktail waitress. (laughs) Fran literally, like, pushes the tray and the waitress out of the way. Um, because she so wanted to hear what Mr. Sheffield was about to say, but she misses whatever he said. And instead he just goes, but you know, I I do have her wrapped around my finger. (laughs) I just say, oh, you know, but the children, you know, they're so much more comfortable with you. You should really handle this. And he kind of laughs, um, which gives her a lot of insight into how uh, he tries to manipulate her as a- a Doesn't that also feel a little bit like he's just- putting on airs to be like more manly in front of the men. Cause we, oh, we, we yeah. know from watching this show, he doesn't really talk about her or to her that way. Yes. So it does seem like he's just trying to like man it up and be like, man, I got this lady and wrapped around my finger. In his very gentlemanly way, like that whole conversation could have been like so dicey and so crass. And he could have, if you know, tried to, talk himself up in a very different way he's still like even in his most like i'm being bad way is still like very well behaved yes, um, and proper 
Yes, yes. Um, in fact, earlier in the episode, or earlier in the episode when she tells him that Brighton wants cooler clothes, he says something like, "Oh, it's just a phase, Miss Fine. I also went through it." And he and he admits to once wearing, I forget what it's called, but it's basically that vest that you wear under a tux that really can be worn backwards or forwards. And he admits to once wearing it backwards as an act of rebellion and then proudly says, and no one even knew. (laughs) So he's just, he's that kind of guy. But so um, Fran, okay, so Fran is in this men's club dressed as a man um, and she is talking to Mr. Sheffield and Glenn and after this little exchange of, you know, Mr. Sheffield saying, oh, yeah, she's wrapped around my finger. That's when he pulls out the check and is literally about to hand it to Glenn. And at first, Fran tries um, to stop this from happening by, like, saying he, she's like, oh, uh, fellas, there's there's no business on club grounds. Right. Uh, and tries to like go about it a non-physical way. But that doesn't work. So she literally just tries to grab it from Glenn's hand, yeah. which leads to a physical fight between them culminating with her accidentally uh, socking Mr. Sheffield in the eye and then jumping on Glenn's back, them spinning around the room, her somehow pivoting her weight so that she pushes him and he runs into a wall, hits his own head and falls (laughs) to the ground unconscious. Yes. It was an incredible scene of physical comedy. And one of those things where you, you know, you watch it and it's so funny and then you really think about it and you're like, that's hard. Like they just made that look easy and seamless and effortless. But like, can you imagine actually doing that? It's a lot of of work. There, there is a, there's a great beat when that all first starts happening where you can sort of see there's this little footstool in the room that you can see uh, Fran Drescher, like she uses it to jump up onto Corbin Burnson's back. And I was like, oh, you could really see where they like rehearse this blocking so that she's like, she starts to like slap fight him. And then she like puts her arms around him. And then she like puts one leg up on this footstool to like launch herself mm. onto his back. And then they push away from the footstool. So it looks like she just leaps on his back. And then they like spin around in a circle and then he slams back against the wall. But like, yeah, yeah it's, it's not. It was a very, you know, a very complex series of movements uh, that, yeah, ultimately ends with Glenn getting knocked unconscious. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then so Fran is able to pick up the check and then she runs over to Mr. Sheffield, who is kind of dazed on the couch on a, in the lounge and, you know, like nursing his eye and in her now like real voice is like, Mr. Sheffield, Mr. Sheffield, it's me, Nanny Fine. And he's like, what? And then he's like, oh, thank God. I was finding myself attracted to you. Oh, no, he's, the line was, oh, thank God. I was finding myself oddly attracted to you. I thought 20 years in musical theater had finally taken a toll. Um, that was one of my highlights of the episode. I really like that line. Well, <laughs> I thought it was very the, funny. It's funny. I, I, I don't know where I'm like, do men's clubs still exist? Yes. Um, and then uh, there was actually a, a club that was all men's in DC for m- many years. And my dad famously uh, he refused to join specifically because they didn't admit women. And then I have the note, which in my opinion was more because he didn't want to socialize somewhere where he couldn't meet women. (laughs) 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 Um, But he always, he always said he, you know, the reason he did finally consider joining was, was because they, they removed that, that rule. (laughs) But (laughs) That's what I. That's what I truly suspect. To be honest, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. 
Um, but so she, you know, she leads Mr. Sheffield away and the whole, this whole, you know, back to the episode, it ends with, you know, Mr. Sheffield's in the kitchen with, um, a, literally a stake on his black eye. Fran is magically perfectly dressed as a woman again. Um, not even no remnants of this like no. incredibly elaborate disguise, which definitely included a lot of like skin glue, um, makeup, contouring. But anyway, so, you know, she's sort of helping him nurse his black eye. And then, um, he, you know, he, she then makes some subtle reference to how he, you know the things that he said about her and how he can manipulate her and then she's like you know i do things to manipulate you too you know and he's like really like what and then she kind of thinks about it and she goes oh i'm just kidding i mean i'm just a nanny and you're a big time broadway producer <laughs> like i could never manipulate manipulate you and he's like ah yes yes quite right and then he like leans back in his chair satisfied she leaves the room and goes <laughs> Number 17 still works. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a very like silly, outlandish episode. Of course, not grounded in reality at all. But like, again, such a uh, like, I, I don't think she was nominated for um, an Emmy for this particular episode. But like, I think she easily could have been. She was yeah, so fantastic. No, it, it was silly, but it was genuinely a very fun episode of like sitcom television. And, and I mean, all credit to, you know, I Love Lucy for sort of establishing this zany brand of of sitcom worlds uh, that this show, you know, clearly has like a fondness for and and often, um, you know, uh, uh, copies or mm -hmm. homages. Uh, but it, it works. I mean, it, it works. There's a reason that these types of plot lines are like time tested, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I actually, this ties into Nanny Trivia really well when we get into segments. Oh, well, I think we're, I mean, <gasps> that was the episode, right? That was the episode. All right, then I think we're about to go into segments. Segments. And now, segments. So, segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say, we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> okay, so... It was so okay. So it's Brighton goes, Oh no, I look like Snap uh, when he's looking at the Rice Krispies box. And then Fran goes, You know, Val once dated a boy who looked like Crackle. And then she looks at Niles and she goes, Unfortunately, he popped too soon, which is such a dirty joke. <laughs> but for the so, breakfast table. For the breakfast table. Um, but it's so good. Uh, that was a great one. I also, I, you know, I mentioned it before, I really liked the. LA law nod of like, you know, you don't look like a lawyer. And he's like, why can't I be a lawyer? And she goes, well, not in New York, maybe LA is also great. And then my, my other favorite one is, is Cece. Um, she goes into to Cece to try to convince Cece to help her as, as you know, in her position as business manager, stop this, this exchange of money from happening. And it looks like Cece actually might help her. She picks up the phone and Fran kind of gets this look of like, oh, good, she's actually going to help me. And then Cece goes, uh, yeah, I'd like to cancel my shrink appointment. I don't need them anymore. And she like <laughs> hangs up the phone. <laughs> yeah, no, it's something like, Dr. Borsch, I can cancel my appointment for today. I'm not going to need it. <laughs> um, yeah, that was really funny. Um, it's funny that you had a vowel dating story moment because I – 
flagged the other one in this episode as my favorite, which is um, at the beginning of the episode when Fran is going off to the grocery store and they're kind of like making fun of her. She goes, it definitely happens. I mean, Val once met a guy in a mini mart, but he, had, though he did just end up using her as a human shield. <laughs> <laughs> like the line made me laugh just in, initially but then the more i thought about it and the more i thought it happening to val specifically the funnier that was to me Mm -hmm. um yeah because it's like tragic it's like wait so val was in some kind of like grocery store robbery situation and then she got used as a human but also the more that we get val the more we realize like how stupid she is like how like truly like out of it like when they said that you know she was did we get to this i don't know if we've even like aired this episode yet i don't think we have where we find out that she was the one who used to go stand in the amusement park parking lot before the others got there to reserve their spots for actual cars i mean to be fair by the time this episode airs that one will have aired because that's that's how numerical ordering goes but yes (laughs) uh you're right you're right I've, I've got. I've but hey, if you guys are not listening to these in order, then you're going to be confused as shit. So listen to them in order. <laughs> um, I I also did uh, really love that uh, Fran confessing that she once rolled her father's toupee into cornrows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, those those are my favorites. Same, same. Uh, great episode. Yeah, really funny. And okay, so in the Yiddish for this episode. Um, at one point in the club, when uh, Fran is starting to get in that altercation, initially just verbally with Glenn, um, she looks around at everybody and goes like, you know, hey, everybody, mind your own business. A bunch of yentas. Um, so yenta is a Yiddish phrase, um, which I didn't know this. It is actually just an, a name in Yiddish. It's just a woman's name, Yenta. Yeah. But yeah. it's evolved to mean a woman who is a busybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you're such a Yenta. And so it's it's basically like, you're such a Karen, but it's a Yiddish version yeah, of that. Yeah, it's like the Yiddish Karen. Yeah, uh, it's with like, less racism, though. I mean, Karen, yeah. I think, really implies a lot of like racist undertones. Well, no, no. I don't mean that it is um, equivalent to what Karen means, but it's the same thing where a name... Oh, like a woman's name has evolved into a pronoun, into a noun. Yeah. Yes. 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 It's actually nothing like Karen in terms of what Karen is, you know, means. It just means a busybody. Yes. Um, and so, so but yeah, you feel you do feel equally bad for all of the Yentas in the world that were just named (laughs) Yenta, and then we're like, oh, the way I do for like, I mean, I'm sure there are Karens out there that are not Karens. That go like fuck. My name's Karen. This sucks. Yeah, I, yeah. Like my uh, my sister in law, Karen. Yeah, but she's a bit of a Karen. Let's be honest. <laughs> Don't. Sorry. We're cutting this. Sorry, I was just my joking. brother Kit is the his husband. Her husband is the only member of my family who listens to this. Well, I was just. I've never met your wife. I'm really sorry. It was just a joke. Sometimes we make jokes that we don't mean because they're funny. Yeah, because we're because we're hurting inside. Yeah, because we're dead inside. <laughs> um, then. Oh, into nanny trivia. Um, Okay, so you were saying how, you know, this show clearly, this episode clearly took a lot of inspiration from um, Lucy and the spirit of of I Love Lucy. So I tried to, I spent a long time looking for an exact episode where Lucy tried to like break into a men's only space, which I feel like did happen. I just don't remember the episode but the the closest thing i could find was 
uh, quote, Lucy wore a fake beard for an entire episode to teach Ricky a lesson that she doesn't like his new mustache. <laughs> Um, (laughs) which is so genius and so epic and like so like the thing is and what's wonderful about i think it's so funny and um but there's something about i think like a true comedian or comic who is a woman which is having no vanity and that can be really really i think challenging and hard for women in our culture because you know even if you are a funny person um not being attractive you know t- to be attractive and to be pretty is so prized for women yeah that to have this sort of like inner confidence to just throw it out the window and like look ugly for comedy yes. i love and then also i found out that super fans of lucille ball call themselves ballers <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing <laughs> that is amazing mm-hmm. wow i love that um, Man, maybe we should do an I Love Lucy podcast. Next. Oh my God. And it would be called I Love I Love Lucy. Yeah, I love, I love Lucy. Um <laughs> We love God. Lucy is what we it love should Lucy? be. We love Lucy. <gasps> we love Lucy. Yeah. Oh my we love God. Lucy. We would have so much fun. And I mean, there- we would have fun, but is there any audience for that? Like, we're already tapping into, like, the nostalgia <sighs> of, like, 20 years ago. Now we're talking about tapping into the nostalgia of, like, 60 The problem years. is the audience are, like, boomers who don't really know how to listen to podcasts. podcasts. So. Yeah, my mom would be prime audience for that, and she would never know how to listen to this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we would have a delivery problem. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, by the way, that's also another joke that I made that it was just for the jokes. My mom does listen to this podcast and does know how to download podcasts. Sorry, mom. We're sorry. We're sorry, everyone. We're sorry. I mean, I'm not cutting the joke. I'll just leave in the apology to my mother. Yeah, that's natural. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Um, So in terms of the Fran or the CC, this is a question to you. Would you, would you not help someone just out of spite like CC did? I... I personally, I know I would help. I am a sucker. And it also goes back back to me having like no business or killer instinct. Mm-hmm, like even mm-hmm. if someone's been pretty to me and then they come yeah. to me in a bad place, I even if they don't deserve it, I, mean, I, I will help. I think it really depends on my relationship. Like the relationship that Fran and Cece have at the end of the day is not that antagonistic. Like Cece is not evil to Fran. Like, or mean to Fran, they like, they like jab at each other, you know? So I do feel like if that was a relationship I had with someone and they were actually in trouble, like I would probably help. Cause like at the end of the day, I don't think Cece hates Fran. I think she does like her as a human being. She's just like intimidated by her and, you know, a little jealous of her relationship with Mr. Sheffield. So like, yeah, if that was the type of relationship I had, like a mildly antagonistic relationship and someone was genuinely in trouble, I would probably help. Also, my boss's well-being would supersede my dislike for someone, Um, you know, but like if it was someone who was like actually cruel to me, like, like genuinely mean to me, I would probably be like, why would I help you? Like you're mean to me, (laughs) you know? I'm worried. So I'm I, don't, a sucker. I don't know. You're a sucker. a sucker. You would help him. Yeah. Even if someone would like shit in your face you, and then was like, oh no, I need help. You'd be like, let me wipe this shit off my face and come help you. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and basically I, I would and I have. <laughs> um, but wow. oh, and so 
one <laughs> one thing I did want to say, though, unrelated to any of that, it's not really a segment, but it's something that I wanted to bring up because we always end these episodes with like, you know, please like, subscribe, rate, review. And I just wanted to call attention to, I, I really hadn't looked at any of our reviews um, and I finally did. And they've been so overwhelmingly positive, which is really wonderful. But there is one review where it's one star. It's the only one star review. <laughs> and it's from Young JT. And it says, this is what's weird about it. The title is perfect. So you're like, <laughs> oh, that seems positive. But then it says, I love the nanny. I've seen it like more than a dozen times. Growing up, my mother and I used to watch it on Lifetime. I don't think this podcast does the show justice. Aww. <laughs> um, there, there were some instances that made me wonder if they'd ever even seen the show before. <laughs> Mix that along with some of the mispronounced words, the jumping around topics, and you've got the perfect recipe for this very green podcast. <laughs> and that's one star. But again, entitled perfect. I, I mean, don't understand it. But my- I would also like to say like green podcast implies that like the person that wrote this is like some kind of podcasting like aficionado. Like uh, how many podcasts does that guy host that were green? <laughs> but this is this is what I want to say to people. You know, if it is if you disagree with this or you want to show us some support to counterbalance reviews like that because you really like the podcast, we you know, we would love it if you did. We'd love to hear from you. It also just really really helps us. Um, so, you know, just, just a little sample of what's out there. So if you, you know, if you've thought about maybe reviewing it, maybe this will kind of push you over the edge. I also was laughing because it says young JT. And for a second, I was like, maybe it's Jonathan Taylor Thomas, (laughs) 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 who we do know, who we do know might actually take issue with us. (laughs) Oh, John, why are you doing this? I thought we were friends. That's mean. (laughs) Um, you called recently not. and asked how my mom is doing in COVID. Like, what? <laughs> that's mean, dude. Uh, well, that would be Did messed up. Really? That's tr- yeah, he's very nice. He's a very sweet man. Oh, okay. Very I take it sweet. back. We, we catch I up to, with each other about every like three to six months. And he's like always like, how's your family? How's Elizabeth? He's a very sweet guy. Yeah. Okay. I take it all um, back. I take no, it all back. He would laugh. That's a funny bit. <laughs> okay. This is the third time we're going to refuse to apologize. Okay. We refuse yeah. to apologize to my... My sister-in-law, Karen, who's a lovely woman, to your My mother. mom, who knows how to download podcasts, and Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, leave leave reviews if you want or if you want to counterbalance that one one-star review that we have. But honestly, I wear that with a badge of pride. Um, uh, also, if you want to support the show in other ways or if you want to leave us a bad review in a more personal way, uh, where can people find us online, Toria? Um, at Oh, Mr. Sheffy. What is it? Oh, God. Oh, Mr. Chef. Oh, Mr. Okay. Chef Pod. Oh, Mr. Chef Pod. And it's two Fs. Yes. And then if people want to find you personally, how can they do that? Um, I'll, you know, I'll say my Instagram account, but I realize I haven't, I don't really accept anybody <laughs> anyway. So I would just direct them to the pod. Okay. Yeah. That's why I don't do my Instagram account. You can follow me on Twitter though, where I'm constantly ranting and raving about any number of things. That's uh, at Sean writes, S-H-A-W-N writes like writes with a pen. Um, And I'll say this. It's not a slight to anybody who might reach out to me on my personal one. I just don't keep track of it. So it's just not the best place to find me. Stay tuned for the next episode of this show, which is the all apology episode where we issue uh, blanket apologies for everything we've said thus far. (laughs) 
All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank we you. love it. We love that you're listening with us. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Vine. <laughs>